17th, 18th century, there was a, a worldview that kind of gained some popularity and still around a little bit today. Um, and uh, it's called deism. And while it's certainly a little more complex than I'm about to uh, explain it, uh, it basically boils down to this. It's the belief that God uh, created the world and uh, as a part of creation, he, he just made natural laws, you know, physics and biology and whatever. Uh, these natural laws were set in place by God, and he kind of like wound up the world like a, like a watch and designed it and built it, wound it up, and just set it into motion. And uh, that's pretty much all of his involvement um, in this worldview, that God does not uh, intervene. He doesn't answer prayers. He doesn't guide. Uh, he doesn't correct he doesn't, he doesn't step in at all. Um, he doesn't work miracles. He doesn't uh, allow people to go through difficulties and stuff. Uh, he doesn't teach. He doesn't, he just doesn't, he's just not involved at all. That uh, He just literally wound up the world just like he wanted it, and he's just letting it go. And um, he's as surprised as you and I are when things happen or whatever. Um, and so most of us who are Christians would, would immediately say that that is wrong. Right? We would say deism is false. And none of us would, would at all say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a deist. You know? that's, not, that's not Christianity. It's not, it's not how, like, what we believe. We believe that God absolutely intervenes, that he answers prayers, that he works miracles, that he does let us suffer, that he guides us and directs us and comforts us and corrects and disciplines, that he's actively involved in every part of our lives. That's what we believe. We would say we are not deists. At all, but one thing that I've um, have, have come to learn about myself and about a lot of, of people, uh, Christians in America, Christians in the Deep South, and Christians that are a part of this congregation, is that while we may reject the the tenets of deism, a lot of times we're what what you could call it, we're functional deists. You know, like we say we don't believe all that, but in our behavior, a lot of times we kind of act we kind of act that way. You know, um, through prayerlessness, through a lack of seeking the Lord uh, in decision making and in His guidance of our lives and stuff like that, we we may not declare that we are deists, but we function that way when we do not seek His counsel and His will for our lives and for the lives of others and within our community. And so we have to be very, very, very careful that uh, that we. We don't reject this thing called deism, but yet we actually are kind of practicing some of those beliefs at the same time. Um, and with uh, a congregation that's, that's fairly young, um, you know, there's a lot of people making a lot of decisions right now. And, and those decisions really aren't going away. And if you, you talk, to, talk to the oldest person that you know, and they're still having to make decisions it's not like you get to this point and you like everything's fine. You don't have to really seek God's input on stuff. Um, but a lot of times we we tend to make decisions in, in a number of methods and a number of uh, 
motives without really seeking what God's will is. And I think sometimes we, we feel like the will of God is kind of a complicated thing. And maybe that's just for the big stuff in life and not necessarily the smaller things. And so um, what I want to, what I feel like we're supposed to talk about tonight, um, I talked with our college students about this on the beach trip uh, last week and uh, talked with our, our married discipleship group uh, a couple weeks back about this. Um, but I really believe that, that God's kind of stirring us up and, and maybe pushing us to, to engage a little bit. Uh, a little bit more deeply in like really seeking Him in the things of our lives. It's, it's all throughout the Bible. You see it about seeking the face of the Lord, seeking the will of the Lord. And, and He says, when you seek Me, you're going to find Me. When you seek Me with all of your heart. That's, a, that's a, like one of the major promises of the Bible that we hold on to. Um, and so uh, what I want to do is I want to look at what Paul has to say in Colossians chapter 1. And then... Um, Maybe uh, there's kind of this kind of practical deal that we'll walk through in just a second. But look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. It says, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. Okay? So what he's heard, all right, that's, if you read a couple of verses ahead of that, he's talking about them just hearing about their faith in the Lord Jesus and, and their love for people. And so ever since he got word about this, he's just been, he's been praying for them fervently. And, and this is what he's been praying. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That you be filled with the knowledge of his will. That he's praying that they would basically just, that they would just know the will of God for their lives. And collectively and individually, he's just been praying that, 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 that they would be filled with that knowledge. Not, not, a little, not a little drop of it here and there, but that, that, that they would really seek after the Lord and they would know exactly what he wants them to do. That's what they've been praying for them fervently. Um, be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That God has a will for them, God has a will for us. We're grafted in into these kinds of things. God has a will for us. And so Paul's attitude is, I'm just going to pray that God just fills them up with complete knowledge, complete understanding, complete spiritual wisdom, that they would know exactly what God the Father wants them to do. That's what he's praying for. So Paul is obviously not a deist. Paul understands that the way that happens is through prayer. But look what he, and he continues to go. Um, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That that is what being filled with the knowledge, with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that's, this is, is what it leads to. Um, walking worthy, in a manner worthy of the Lord. I think that, that you look at that, and I don't think anybody here is like, I don't really want that for my life. You know, no, no, I want, I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I want to bear fruit in every good work. I want to increase in my knowledge of Him. And so I believe what Paul is describing is essentially uh, a part of, of the process through which we, we seek after the will of God, and God reveals that to us, that, that a part of that journey um, is is that, that our lives produce fruit that points 
to Jesus, that we have a deeper understanding of who God is and how he works as, as we go forward with this, that we are walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, that we are not, uh, that we're not just kind of flying through life, making decisions like people who don't know Jesus make decisions. That we are, we're seeking the will of God in our lives, in the, in the big things and in the smaller things. That we, that we believe that God is absolutely involved in every area of life. That, that he's not uh, too busy taking care of other things and other people. That he's not forgotten about us. That he is still that good shepherd of Psalm 23. And he is involved in every single aspect of our lives. And so here, Paul is praying for this group of, of believers that mean just a great deal to him, that they would be filled with just knowing what God wants for their lives. And as a part of that journey, they're walking in a manner that's worthy of him, that they're pleasing to him, that they're bearing fruit in every good work, and that they're growing in their knowledge of him. I think we, we all need to look at those verses and say, okay, that's... That's what, I, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my journey with the Lord. That when I'm, I'm faced with, with having to really figure out what does God want me to do in this situation, how does He want me to, how does he want me to act? You know? That we look at verses like this and we say, okay, I want that to like describe my journey. I don't want to just make some decision. I don't want to just go with, what, go with my gut. You know? I don't want to just do what everybody else my age is doing. I don't want to just do what people my age typically do. I don't want to just say, just do what my parents are telling me to do, or what my friends are telling me to do, or what the Magic 8-Ball app on my phone tells me to do. Like, I want to do exactly what God the Father, creator, created the universe, holds it all together, has, knows every sand on the seashore, every hair on my head. I want him to direct me and say, this is what I want. And I want to walk in a manner that's worthy of who I am. And so, w- whether you're, dis- you're trying to decide uh, what you want to be when you grow up, which some, that has no age limit on it. You know, some of you grown up, grown-ups are still trying to figure out if this is really what you want to do with your life. Uh, you're trying to decide uh, about relationships going to the next level, you're, you're trying to decide things about having kids and uh, how to raise those kids, and you're trying to decide where to live and when to move and, and how many incomes you know, to, to build around your family and, and when to change career paths and, and what to do with, with uh, you know, investments. And like, there's just so, much, so many things that we're trying to decide, and, and it, it's becoming so clear to me, just beginning with my own life, how I seek the Lord... Uh, like really, really faithfully in some areas of life. And then other areas of life, I just don't. And so it's like in some areas I see like I really, I, I need him and I want his guidance and all that stuff. And other times I'm like, okay, I got this. I'll, I'll take care of this. Fine. All right. You know, you just, you, you go ahead. You tend to like, you know, you tend to the Middle East. You, you tend to famine and hunger and, and people go, coming out of, you know, addictions and different things like that. Like, I'm, I'm doing okay right now, so you tend to them, and I'll take care of my money right here. You know, it'll be okay. You know, I'll, I'll take care of these aspects of life, and then when I need you, I'll let you know. And what that really is, it's functional deism. It's telling God, I know you're not very interested in in my life, really. And so, uh, I'll just call you when I need you, you know. 
like a landlord or something. When something breaks, I'll call you to come fix it. But other than that, I'll just I'll live on my own. And so if the scriptures are constantly telling us to seek the Lord, here Paul is is we get this glimpse into what he's praying, and he obviously understands this. We see Jesus in his prayers, he understands it. Then seeking God's will for our lives in the big things and the small things should be something that that we are being trained in how to do. It's a part of our discipleship. But I think it's a part of our discipleship that a lot of times we just we just assume everybody knows how to do it. You know? It's like, well, you need to you need to pray about that. Okay, all right. What if we don't know how to pray about that? What if pray about it isn't is just not enough direction for us? What if praying about it and, and having to discern the voice of the Lord is just one of the hardest things for some of us? What if God's voice and your internal monologue voice sound a lot alike? What if you're, what if you're super emotionally driven and so to you, God and emotion are, are equated? So when it's the Lord, you have a really good feeling about it. When it's not the Lord, you have a not so good feeling about it. So you just kind of go with that. And what if this, and what if this, and what if this? And so uh, uh, several weeks ago, you know, I, I had the uh, married discipleship thing coming up and, and was, was just doing this, like seeking God's will. Like, God, what do you want me to talk about? Because none, none, none of us get up here and just talk about whatever we want. You know, like we, we ask God, what, what do you have for us, you know? So I was doing that about the married discipleship thing, and there were some, some conversations and different stuff, and he kind of just led me in a direction, led me to this text, and, and the, for that meeting that day, it, was, it was, kind of had a different angle on it. And I, and I think it was, you know, it was, it was fine, and involved this pyramid thing that we're going to show you in a second. And so when the beast trip came around, I was like, okay, God, what do you want us to talk about? Because we, we make them do Bible study at night, you know. Just kidding, they like it. Uh, and... Um, I said, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, here's a bunch of people who are trying to figure out, they're trying to make decisions every 10 seconds, you know. So um, this would probably be a good thing for them, too. I was like, all right, cool. So I uh, very poorly drew a pyramid on a sheet of paper and went through it. Uh, so coming back in, I was like, okay, God, you know, usually I'm, I'm, I'm a couple weeks out kind of knowing what's going to happen. And I wasn't sure about tonight. And I was like, well, you know, you have a room full of people who would be really it really be, would be really easy to assume that when when you say just seek the Lord for this major decision that everybody knows how to do that and feels comfortable with that, um, and that's probably not a good assumption to make. And so, in kind of in light of of these verses and really all throughout Scripture, when the people of God are seeking the face of God. I believe God just kind of allowed me to kind of maybe organize something that maybe may or may not be helpful to you. Um, and, and so maybe this will be a part of discipleship that we can kind of work through. And it's not finished. It'll probably evolve over the next couple of years. But uh, Nate, just show them the next, the next deal. It's a pyramid. I'm going to go ahead and just show you all the parts of the pyramid right now. Um, so if you, are, if you like to take notes and you like to draw, this is your night. So it's, it's a pyramid because uh, everything is dependent on what is, like what is beneath it, all right? And so if we're, if we're talking about seeking the Lord, uh, I believe that, that this can apply to every situation from 
like career changes and financial situations and where to live and all that kind of stuff. But I believe that this also fits into relationship things. I think this also fits into um, uh, ethical decisions at work. I think this also fits into uh, how to handle conflict. I think there's just a lot of things that this could be helpful for. Uh, so we're just going to go one, one thing at a time. Uh, so let's go, let's go to the first one. Let's go to the bottom one. That's a giant word abide. Uh, it's like this presentation software, and on your computer, like it looks all right to scale, and you get in here, and you're like, wow, uh, it's large. And so, okay, so uh, let's talk about abiding for a second, because the reason that's at the bottom of the pyramid is because everything is going to be contingent on our abiding. Now, when I say abide, I, I'm in, uh, I'm in that, that Jesus in the book of John kind of abiding, all right? Any sort of connection to Jesus, anything that keeps uh, the vine connected to the branch, uh, what, however that life source is flowing into us, then that's what I mean by abiding. So that happens, that happens in prayer, that happens when we're in the Word, that happens when we're, when we're uh, actively living in like, like legit community. Uh, this is us really just fully depending on uh, the Spirit of God and His wisdom and this is just us staying connected so that he is like our sustaining grace every moment, everything empowered, all that stuff. Okay? So, so when we back up and we look at the full pyramid again, you see that everything above it is going to be contingent on that base. And the assumption is, as we work our way through this, that you are abiding through, each, through everything that is above it. That your abiding never, it just never stops. All right? Uh, okay, so let's go to the, to the next one, which is kingdom. Now, kingdom, um, I believe that, that this has to do with the mind. Um, we spent our whole fall semester together going through the good and beautiful life, and it was all about the Sermon on the Mount, basically coming down to uh, Jesus saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, meaning uh, to change the way that you think. That we were born into the kingdom of the world, and so we grow up learning how to think like the world. And the world is, is all about self-interest and self-reliance, and just looking out for yourself. And in the kingdom, Jesus comes in and he flips all that upside down. In the kingdom of God, uh, the, it's all about, about God, for God, through God, in God. Everything is about him. And so in the kingdom of God, we, we think differently we act differently. We approach things differently. Everything about uh, the kingdom of God is different. So when, we, so when we back up and you look at the whole pyramid, um, through our abiding, in a lot of ways, that, that deals with heart issue. And, and kingdom, in a lot of ways, deals with, with our minds. So that's where the renewal of the mind is. And so really, those two bottom uh, like layers, they... They really, they, they feed each other, they inform each other, they empower each other. So we're abiding, life source of God's flowing into us through prayer and the scriptures and all that stuff. And then that is renewing our mind as he's teaching us how to think differently. So if, if as we're trying to make decisions, we're trying to seek God's will for our lives, if we're connected to him, and he's renewing our mind and teaching us, well, in the kingdom of God, this is how you think about this stuff then we have a pretty, pretty solid foundation, right? Um, we go to the next one, which is uh, Bible. 
And this is where it starts to get a little more specific. So at this point, we start to say, okay, what is, what is our, what is the authority say about this particular topic? Okay, so the Bible um, here's this this tangible uh, source of authority through which the like the Holy Spirit like empowers it and makes it like really just come alive. That's what makes it not a book. If the if the Spirit, I mean, not just a normal book. If the Spirit didn't empower it, it'd be a book just like any other book. But this is what makes it a different kind of book. Um, now, certainly, we don't exalt it, we don't worship the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But we do. It's just not. It's not like every other thing. There's there's authority there. And so, at this point in our decision, we start to to really get specific and say, what does the Bible say about this issue that I'm praying toward? So, if uh, so, all right. So let's back up and look at the whole pyramid again. All right. So let's say you you've been abiding. And, and you've been the, in, in the kingdom. And let's say that the decision that you're trying to make is, is something, something about work. Something about a career. All right? Whether it's what, what do you want to major in that will ultimately lead to your career. Or what job to take. Or should you switch jobs and all this kind of stuff. Um, our abiding in our kingdom living and the, and the scriptures all together say some pretty powerful things about work. Um, it says that we are not defined by our jobs, right? That's not your identity. And so for a lot of people, that's, like a, that's a major hang-up already, you know? For people who are career-driven and have always wanted to be this when they grew up and all this kind of stuff, we find a lot of self-worth and a lot of value in, like, what, in those kind of vocational choices and I'm not saying that, that there's no significance in those things, but when it comes to like your identity and who you are, God's already keeping us through our abiding and through kingdom thinking and through the scriptures, keeping us from, like, from putting too much weight in that decision when it comes to like the, the depths of our hearts and our minds. Uh, the scriptures tell us that whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God, Right? So you know that whatever you're going to be called to, that that's going to be a part of it. That he's not, he's not going to bring you somewhere and that, that relational ministry side of it not be a part of it. So now you're praying and you're not just thinking about, well, how much money can I make and how comfortable will my life be? Now you're starting to think, wait, there's, he's, he's bringing me potentially to groups of people through these different choices. And so that, man, that's a paradigm shift already. So you're kind of readjusting some of those things. Um, he starts to, to, to speak into uh, how you're wired and how you're naturally gifted. That maybe your personality is put together in such a way where there's, like he's gifted you in some pretty unique ways. And maybe it's not the ways that your parents have always been pushing you and your peers have always been pushing you. And maybe even, uh, you know, maybe even you've been pushing you. Maybe he's saying, no, 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 I've, I put you together in a completely different way. So the scriptures begin to speak into things about work very, very soon. Now, you won't go to a verse that says, like, be an engineer. But you will go to a verse that, that says, um, uh, there's, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so, you're already, you're, you're shaping this understanding of career and vocation and work and future that is not impacting your worth and your value. And you're starting to see it 
because of your abiding, you're seeing it through a kingdom lens, and he's using the scriptures to speak into your life and say, look, this is a really big decision, all right? But this, this will not bully you. This will not bully you emotionally. This will not, uh, this is, you know, this is just not going to carry like weird weight with you in your mind, in your heart, because that's not who you are. When you read verses, God says, I have a plan for you, plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future. Within the context of that passage of Scripture, that's a tough, tough, tough verse. But what he's telling them is, if you go through and you read it, he's like, uh, okay, I've, I've exiled you. Uh, I've, I've used this outside army to take you out of your homeland, and you're going to live there for 70 years, and so you need to be building some houses, and you need to get married and have kids and let your kids have kids and all that kind of stuff, because in 70 years I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to reestablish you, so you can't go and just die off somewhere else. And you just stay alive as a people. And not only that, I want you... I want you to, play, to pray for the, the, the shalom, the peace, the welfare of the city that you're in, that you would bless the city where you are for 70 years when I bring you back. God, he's, and so he said, because I have a plan for you. This seems really, really random, but this is a part of my plan. My plan was to let you go, let you flourish, and then bring you back. It's all going to be okay. And so through scriptures like that, you're saying, okay, well, no matter where I end up landing in this decision, it's all going to be okay. Because through my abiding and my, and my him training me in kingdom thinking and what the scriptures have to say, whatever, is at the, whatever the decision is at the top, it's going to be fine. And whatever fears and doubts and worries I have, it's, it's all going to be fine. Because I have the most solid base that you could, could imagine. And already, the process looks so different from, uh, from the way a lot of us tend to make decisions. You know, Let's keep going. Let's look at the next one. Uh, the next one is motive, all right? This is, this, is when it, this is when it starts to get a little bit difficult sometimes. Because now that, that you, you've been abiding, and you're going to continue abiding, and you're going to con- continue that kingdom thinking, and continue with the, with the scriptures and letting God build on all that, now is when you come before the Lord and you say, okay, uh, tell me what's unhealthy about what's driving me forward. Test me, try me, see if there's any unhealthiness anywhere in me, lead me in the way everlasting, show me what's driving me forward. And so you, what you really do is, this is that Romans 12, 1 and 2 of like being a living sacrifice and you just lay yourself on the altar and you're like, all right, if I'm being weird, I, tr- I need you to tell me. And so if you're, if you're, what's driving you forward in a career move is, is money, then this is, like, he'll bring that out. And so you just want to make a lot of money. Let's, let's purify that motive. You just, you're just trying to please your parents. Let's purify that. You just want to show up at your 10-year, 20-year, 30-year reunion and impress everybody you went to high school and you proved them wrong. That's a weird motive. You just want status. You just want this. You just want this. You just want this. And you let God just burn away all that stuff. Because um, like a motive, like desiring to make money is not necessarily a terrible motive. 
There are plenty of people out there who, who desire to make money so that they can do a lot of good with the lot of money that they make. I think that's a tough one. Jesus thinks it's a tough one. But there are people like that. that God, that's what God does. And, and when, when those folks really bring themselves and they lay themselves on the altar and they let God purify all that garbage out of them, then their motives are, are good. Oh, yeah, I have an opportunity to make six-figure salary. And that means there's a lot of good stuff that can be done with it. I don't have to live this exorbitant lifestyle. I can just, I can, I can do a lot. So maybe God's leading you down a career path where that would be the case. Let Him purify the motives so you don't end up being one of those people that y'all hate, you know? If you're, if you're trying to make a decision about a, about a relationship, like in, at, at, at multiple levels, you know, should, um, should I date somebody? Should like, the dating become more serious? Should we get engaged? Uh, should we get married after we're already engaged? Uh, you know, like what 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 should that what should that look like? Um, if you're checking your motives, if you're just basically just completely selling out because you're just lonely or insecure, or the clock's ticking and you're getting you know whatever you're getting pressure from your family and friends stuff like that, let God purify that. Let Him bring you from a place of unhealthy motives to good, holy. Blameless motives. If you're trying to make a decision about something, something weird ethical deal that like they're asking you to do at work. Well, let's back up and look at the whole pyramid. Um, you've been abiding in kingdom living, and then what the scriptures have to say about the ethical thing. If your boss is wanting you to like uh, embezzle money, you know what the Bible says, right? That's that's a no brainer. Uh, so it gets into your motives if you're like, okay, are you really thinking about doing this? Why? Why are you thinking about doing this? Are you, are you hoping that they'll cut you in on it? That's a weird motive. Um, are you thinking about doing it because you're worried about getting fired and then because in this economy uh, it's going to be hard to find a job again, whatever? Well, then you go back down to kingdom, and in the kingdom of God, it's, it's all going to be okay. Because if your motive is, oh, I don't want to lose my job, and this, and this, and this, and you're basically saying, I don't trust the king to run his kingdom the way I want to run my own kingdom. And you're afraid that the consequences are going to be greater than God's ability to take care of you. And so you get to that motive part, and you just, you just let him purify that stuff. And this is a tough one. And we talked about this when we talked about Romans 12. The hard part about being a living sacrifice is that you, you want to just cr- like crawl off the altar when things get weird. Well, the, the motive part of this process is, is incredibly important. Because if you're being driven by fear or doubt or insecurity um, or greed or uh, in, any of the unhealthy stuff, then the Lord, has, He's got to purify you. And the thing about this is that if you really are abiding, and you really are letting that abiding teach you to think like the kingdom, and you really are in the word, the motive part is you don't resist it. Like, you want it so badly. Because you're like, I don't want to go forward with this decision and, and with anything, anything but just the most spirit-led, like God showing me where to step and when. And all, like, I just, that's, that's your desire. 
A lot of times when we look at the motive part, the reason why we are, like, are, are uneasy with it is because we, we forget what's beneath it. So then, you notice, we're at the fifth deal, and now is when we start to bring other people in. Uh, so let's look, at, let's look at, at community and talk about this one a little bit. Uh, I'm certainly not saying that uh, you should not say a word to anybody until, you know, for a couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, I think it's fine if you're faced with a big decision and you want to bring some people in on that. I think that's fine. Okay, here's here's where the community part of it, like, makes makes me nervous a little bit. Because within your community, you are assuming that everybody else has been doing. Let's back up and look at the whole pyramid again. That you're you're assuming that everybody else has been abiding and living in the kingdom, at least. So the community step is awesome if everybody's been doing that because what they're going to speak into your life are going to be like Colossians 1, 9, and 10 kind of stuff. It's going to be spirit-led. It's going to be full of truth. It's going to be uh, coming from a place of, of prayer and a, from a place of abiding and, and in the kingdom. And, and so it's, it's not going to have all these stray opinions, you know. It's not going to be full of worldly thinking. It's not going to be full of like that weird logic of self-reliance. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like uh, infected with all that stuff. It's going to be pure and blameless and good if they if like the ones that you bring in have been abiding that's going to happen and if they haven't been then you're just going to get out well this is what I think you should do duh yes. I mean it's obviously you know whatever and we've all been on the receiving end of just prayerless advice and the sad part is if you trust them enough to talk to them about it, then probably their words carry a lot of weight with you. And sometimes it's really hard to shake that stuff off. And I know I've, been, I've pursued uh, things in life based on like, the opinions of other people above the opinion of the Lord. And it's got me in, in trouble plenty of times. And I think we've all been there. So... From in a personal sense, if you're working your way through this, and this is maybe how you've chosen to organize your pursuit of God's will, when it gets to community, if you're st- you've really been abiding and working your way through that, when somebody tells you something uh, that is is prayerless, you know, that's not from a place of of truth and abiding, and it just doesn't sound like Jesus, uh, the spirit inside of you it immediately tells you, just don't, just don't, don't listen to them, just don't. That's why I think it's important that the community step come after we've really gotten in a good place where we're ready to hear that stuff. And so, yeah, so you bring people in. You say, hey, I need you to be praying for me about this. And maybe, maybe at first, maybe you don't give them like a 6,000-word essay on everything. Maybe you just say, hey, try to make a decision about work. Pray for me. Boom. Maybe as, as it, the journey goes forward, you start to see who, kind of, some people responding and they want to know how to pray more and you maybe share a little bit more or whatever. But you let the Lord show you how to evolve, involve your community. On the flip side, if, you are, if you're a part of the community that somebody brings in and says, hey, I'm, trying, I'm really trying to make, this, make a decision about this. I'm not sure what to do. Would you pray for me? Um, we, we collectively have got to grow up a lot. 
in how we like engage those people who are trying to make some decisions. We just, we just have to mature in this area and get to where we're not just spouting off our opinion and we're not just telling them what they want to hear. That's, that's the worst. It's just like a pure appeasement or just telling them what, what we think or whatever. Um, and so here's, you know, examples. If somebody's trying to figure out what to do with a, with a career deal, um, you don't need to just like randomly say, well, which one makes more money? But that's advice that's come from within our community to people before. What's less hours? What's this? What's this? What's this? Our advice needs, needs to be, well, tell me what your pursuit has been like so far. We need to be asking them, well, tell me, how's your abiding been lately? What, is the, what are the scriptures telling you? Have, you? have you brought yourself before the Lord yet and ask him just to see if there's anything weird that's driving you? If they're talking and you're saying, and if there's just tons of fear in what they're saying, then we've got to have the guts to say, um, it sounds to me like you're really just terrified. We have to have, have to have the courage to say, I really think that what's pushing you forward is that you're just, this is a security issue for you. A lot of times we're so, we hold back some of that stuff. We know we're supposed to say, but we don't because we're worried about what they're going to say. And that goes back to kingdom. It's all like just tied up in there. So we need to be the kind of community that is, that is supportive the way Paul was supportive. We can't just say stuff. We can't tease with people, all right? If a couple is dating, don't sit there and say, when, y- when y'all going to make this thing official? No, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say it. If a couple gets married, all right, and they've been married for four weeks, they'll be like, when's the baby on the way? Don't joke about that stuff. Because you know what? They're probably already catching it from their families. They're probably catching it from their friends who probably don't know Jesus. So how about the ones who do know Jesus understand that this is something, it's a matter of prayer and seeking God's will and all that kind of stuff and not something where we can just mess with each other about that. I know that might seem kind of harsh, but, but I sit across from people who are like, if one more person teases me about this, I'm just going to go crazy. I'm like, wait, people in our church? Like, yeah, people in our church. I'm like, why? Okay. So it's pretty, pretty clear to me that, that we, we need to keep growing in this area and getting, getting to where Paul is in relation to the Colossians of just saying, look, I'm just praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in your knowledge of him. That's my desire for you. My opinion means nothing. The only thing that matters is Jesus speaking into your life. And so let's be good sounding boards. Let's not, let's not be ridiculous ones for one another. That's not what community is about. We're going to honor our graduates here in a minute. And what they, what they need from us is not, they, they don't need uh, worldly advice. They don't need godless advice. They, just, they, need, they need Jesus sitting across the table from them, speaking truth to them, encouraging them. And we've done that, I think, pretty well, but we still have some growing to do in that. And so, uh, so the last one at the top of it is you just, at some point, you just got to make a decision. And I'm, the, I'm so bad about this, you know, because I'll, I'll pray and pray and pray and hesitate and just not sure what to do, not sure what to do. Um, but if you back up and you look at the whole pyramid, if, if you've steadily worked through this and abiding has been a part of, of every one of those things, there's just going to come a point when, when he's, he's told you what to do. And then you just got to live by faith and not by sight. And you just got to pull the trigger and make that decision. 
and say no to a job, say yes to a job, put the house up for sale, you know, you got to, sometimes you got to break up, sometimes you got to buy an engagement ring, you know, sometimes you got to say, all right, it's like God, it's time to start trying to have kids. Sometimes you have to say, all right, having kids is not for us, so let's start, let's, let's see what God has for us in, in other areas. Sometimes you got to say, um, we don't have nearly enough, uh, like we're so bad with our money that we, we got to take some next steps and figure out how to do this, and we need God to guide us. Well, I, could, we, I could just go through example after example after example, but there just comes a point where you got to say, okay, um, this is what God wants me to do, and I'm going to do it. And the thing about this whole process is that when you, you, you take Colossians 1, 9 and 10, and I believe that this is kind of in the spirit of that and in the spirit of other parts of the word, is that this whole process ultimately it points to Jesus. And so, you, like, if, if this is the way that it goes, and this is how we're making decisions, then at the end of it, uh, you're going to sit down with your parents, and you're going to say, okay, uh, you know, this is, this is just kind of let you know, this is kind of what's going on. And you're able to describe your process to them. And maybe they're sitting there completely baffled because it doesn't make sense. Maybe you sit down with friends and your friends are, are being like, I, I cannot believe that y'all are making this decision that's so weird. And you can say, well, we've been praying about it. We've been praying and fasting. We've been seeking God's will for our lives and we believe this is what he's called us to do. And so really, at the end of the day, who, who cares what your decision is? You know? It's not really the decision. It's the obedience to what Jesus is calling you to do, right? And that's what we're going for. Because this process looks nothing like how the world makes decisions. And so in this way, we're called to be weird. We don't make decisions like everybody else. God has a plan for us, and He reveals that plan as we seek Him and we seek Him with all of our hearts, He says, you will be found by me. Let me show you the, the next, next couple of verses in that in Colossians. And we're going to sing a little bit. He follows that up and says, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's empowered you and called you. And this is a part of what you get to walk in. You get to walk in uh, obedience. Like the God of the universe gets to guide your life, plan your steps, hem you in in front of you and behind you and all around you. That's the privilege that we walk in. That we hear deism and we're like, what? Like, why would God, God's not involved? So yeah, he's very involved. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The domain of darkness, uh, if you were to build that pyramid, it would be full of things like self-reliance, uh, the flesh, um, seeking the opinion of yes men, um, you being your own authority. At the end of it, if you built that pyramid, it would just point to you. But it says he's delivered us from that domain and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
And so because of our redemption and our forgiveness, our whole lives point to him. I know that like when I look at my life and I look at like that pyramid or really that's just an organizational tool. It's really for whatever we just need to seek the Lord. And I think, man, how many major decisions have I made where I've not sought the will of God in it? And all that does, honestly, it just highlights the grace of God that just covers up our mistakes. And I know there's probably like plenty of examples in this room of things we've done where we, we said we prayed about it, but we didn't really pray about it. It just seemed like the obvious thing to do, and so we just kind of did it. And Isn't it awesome that God doesn't just crush us with a hammer when we just do our own thing? But, but as we grow, we should desire a process that leads to that, that fruit in every good work and the knowledge of Him and being pleasing to Him and walking in a manner worthy of Him. And I know, I know that's our desire. And so we just need him to keep teaching us how to do that. Um, so, yeah, let me pray for us. Lord, um, thank, you for, thank you for Paul and his heart for the Colossians, that he, he didn't just crank out a bunch of opinions that he, he prayed for them, that they would just know your will, and that that process would lead to a deepening of their faith and their love for you and their understanding of how you work. And God, we need the same thing. I'm sure there's plenty of decisions that are being made in this room, plenty of folks who are just really trying to seek your will for their lives in different areas. And... Uh, And so, God, we, we just need you to, to show us what your plans are for us. We know that you have your, your own timing and your just way of, of revealing those things. And you just called us to seek you. And so I, I pray, Father, that you would you'd use um, whatever has gone on tonight really to encourage us in that process. That we would not be intimidated by trying to figure out, you know, what you're your voice from other voices and this, that, and the other. But that we would recognize that your desire is, is to lead your children. I mean, you don't with, withhold. You don't, you don't wait till we say just the right thing. That you love, you love leading us. You love um, caring for us in those ways. And the proof is the fact that we have collectively made so many decisions without involving you. That functional deism has crept in. And when we look back over the years, it's, it's just amazing that we haven't just royally messed up our lives um, in such a way that you can't repair. And sure, that we've made some mistakes. But you're there to repair and to mend and to heal and to restore. So we thank you for the grace uh, that just shows up in so many areas of life. And I pray that you would deepen our desire just to walk in faithfulness and obedience to you. Then the big things and the, and the small things, we would just seek your will. That we would be the kind of people who are, who are always abiding and always 
living in the kingdom and always in the scriptures so that it's not a matter of going back to square one all the time. We're, we're there. We're living in that natural rhythm. And whatever uncertainty is looming out there for us in different areas, we take great comfort in knowing that there are no mysteries to you. You just called us to be faithful and obedient. So that's our desire. We just need you to to teach us. We thank you for the Spirit guiding us and for the scriptures that we have in front of us and for putting us in community together. Help us to help us just to walk faithfully. We love you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Let's uh, let's stand. Let's uh, sing a little bit in response to this.